Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source of news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TCT Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Davis, and on today's episode, we're joined by Sanvol co-founder and president, Annie Wang. Sanvol has a variety of product offerings that have been designed to allow users of additive manufacturing to access, generate and analyse data. To this end, the company provides comprehensive machine and material databases while also offering a software suite that leans on machine learning technology to analyse process parameters and materials performance. Throughout our conversation, Wang details the capabilities of this product portfolio, touches on collaborations with Siemens and the US government, and explains the potential of machine learning in the context of AM. She also gives her assessment on the application of additive manufacturing and what we can expect from Sandville moving forward. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more additive insight, head on over to tctmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TCT Magazine and our weekly additive insight newsletter for free. Annie, welcome to the Additive Insight podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. So as as the uh, as a co-founder of, of Sembol, um, I was wondering whether we could start today with you explaining the motivation behind setting up that company. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, this year, actually, Sunvol celebrated its uh, 10-year anniversary. So we've been in, in existence for actually slightly over 10 years. Um, but uh, yeah, Sunvol was um, started to help companies with data and databases and what to do with all of that data when it comes to um, additive manufacturing. And um, we started at the very beginning by developing the Sunball database, which is a database of all the industrial AM machines and materials together. Um, and then we branched out into pedigree data. And then more, most recently we've been working on a software, uh, a machine learning software that helps people analyze their data. And uh, it does a multitude of different things, but mostly it helps people develop um, optimized process parameters. Okay, so how would you say, because um, I gather from from reading about the company that the I guess the aim of the company is to help manufacturers implement and incorporate additive manufacturing technology. So how would you say that Senval helps companies to do that exactly? Um, I would say it kind of does uh, three different things. So the first one is if you are maybe new to AM or if you would like to learn more about industrial AM. Um, and, and I think this would be a good time to say that um, Sunvol is exclusively focused on industrial AM as opposed to, you know, desktop printing or personal printing, which, of course, is its own kind of subset of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in, interested in industrial AM, you might be interested in learning to see what uh, machines are available or what materials are available or how uh, different machines work with different materials and vice versa. Um, and as a result, you can go on the website and actually use uh, the Sunball database, which is completely free to use. And it can search through all the different um, industrial AM machines and materials. And then, but that's only really spec sheet data. Um, and, it's a, and it's a great place to look at kind of unified, um, aggregated spec sheet data. 
But uh, as, as one gets more serious about AM, one starts to need to look at more than just spec sheet data, but more look at pedigree data. Um, and pedigree data is really defined as data that you gather in a pedigreed fashion. So you understand um, what process parameters were used, what post-processing was used, what you know, size of specimens and so on and so forth. And you do your own testing and you don't just rely on the material or machine manufacturer to do that testing and then report it on a spec sheet. Um, and for that, there are Sunvault indexes, which are uh, pedigree data sets that you can purchase, um, as well as uh, the Sunvault SOP. And the SOP is basically a standard operating procedure that helps you gather your own pedigree data. And then as you get even more advanced, you might be thinking about, well, how do I do other things with my data? So you might be looking at optimizing your process parameters. So if you own your own machine or, I mean, not necessarily own, but if you use AM machines, you start to realize that what process parameters and what post-processing you choose has a very big impact on material properties. And so at that point, you might start to want to deviate beyond the standard post, uh, the standard parameter sets that are being offered by the machine manufacturer or material supplier. And you might say, well, um, I'd like to see maybe I can get different properties or maybe better properties. And so at that point, you need to understand the relationship between process parameters um, and just the manufacturing process and what material properties or mechanical performance you're looking for. Um, and a great way to understand that is to um, use the software Senval ML, which is a machine learning software, and it can help you understand the relationship between any two things. Um, although, um, like I said, it's, it's used for a number of different applications. You can use it to develop materials. You can use it to optimize, optimize process parameters, um, and you can use it to optimize um, other things in the manufacturing tech, um, process as well. So it, I would say that overall, Senval can help um, organizations, whether you're new to AM um, or you're um, very advanced uh, in AM to the point where you're developing pedigree data sets and you're optimizing process parameters or you're optimizing something about uh, the, the AM manufacturing process. So, so from your experience talking to, to some of these companies as you've, as you've kind of onboarded them as customers, what's your understanding of of their kind of practices before working with Sandvol and using Sandvol's products? What were the, you know, what was their kind of understanding of, of their data and how they used that data? Um, and what were the kind of gaps in a, in a typical workflow that you were seeing that you guys were then able to, to support this, this, whether it was a new user or not of AM, um, support them and, and kind of help them get the best out of the, the technology they were using? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think that at the very beginning, people are often overwhelmed by the number of AM machines there are and AM materials there are. And this actually started uh, really, I mean, today there are literally, you know, thousands of materials and definitely hundreds, maybe, maybe actually potentially even over a thousand different machines. Um, I haven't looked at the exact numbers recently, but it, it is very overwhelming when you look at how many there are to choose from that um, it can be hard to 
find the right machine and material to suit your needs. And so often early on, people do use the Sunwell database just to look at what's available to them. Um, but then once they start, you know, either buying their own machine or using a machine from a service bureau, the first thing that they do is often use standard parameters that are supplied by the machine manufacturer or standard parameters supplied by the material supplier. So for example, if you go out and either you buy an EOS machine or use an EOS machine, you know, EOS would provide you the standard parameters to use for, let's say, whatever material you were interested in. Uh, but what's really important to understand is that from a machine manufacturer perspective, the standard parameters are really, really have a different purpose. So from a machine manufacturer perspective, they want to publish very robust standard parameters, which means that if you use these parameters 99.9% .9 of the time, you will get parts that build and they will build well. But building well and building optimally are really two completely different things. Mm -hmm. uh, robust parameters means that it will build well, even if let's say you haven't calibrated your laser recently, and let's say you entered 300 watts in your laser, but it actually was really 290 or it was 310. Um, so robust means that you might actually deviate slightly from the, the standard process parameters, and yet you will still build well, and the, the material properties are still going to be good. So good might give you, let's say, you know, a strength of, let's say, X. Um, mm -hmm. But you want something more optimized. And when I say optimized, it might be optimized for your particular application. So you might want very, very high strength. You might want very good elongation or, or what have you. You know, people optimize for lots of different things. Um, you start to then understand. And at that point, you're, you're starting to become, you know, very, more advanced. And you start to realize, well, if I can play with the process parameters and I don't use the standard parameters that are available to me that, let's say, EOS uh, supplied in this particular example, um, I can get different parameters. I can um, start uh, maybe trying to increase the strength or increasing the elongation or, you know, you know, I can even make uh, very porous uh, parts even. Um, so you can then you, you then start to realize, wait, there is a relationship between process parameters and the material properties or mechanical properties that I want. And at that point, you then need to understand, but there's so many different knobs and dials and parameters that I have access to on the machine, which ones are important for the for the um, material properties or mechanical performance that I want, which ones are important, which ones are not important, and then what direction should I be turning my knobs and dials. And when you start to get to that stage, you need to then understand the relationship between parameters and material properties slash performance. And that's usually when um, a customer would start using, um, um, you know, they might, instead of using the machine learning software, what people have been working on is just using pure statistics um, mm -hmm. or simple statistics um, software to do that kind of uh, correlation or regression or you're just trying to get that understanding. But, but then you quickly realize that there are so many parameters. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a very, what you call in statistics a, a high dimensional problem because you've got lots of parameters you can play with and you might have lots of different um, requirements. So if you have 
a density requirement, a strength requirement, an elongation requirement, you know, um, a corrosion requirement, a, you know, a warpage uh, elimination or minimization. Like you could have so many different requirements. You're, you, you have basically N dimensions with N numbers of requirements. And that just becomes very, very, very difficult for standard um, statistic software to handle. And that's when um, machine learning actually does a very good job of that. Mm. I want to come on to the, uh, the, you know, the machine learning product offering um, in a little bit. But first, I wanted to touch on a couple of, of the other um, products in, in the Sandval portfolio, starting with um, indexes, which are, as I understand it, these kind of um, additive manufacturing data sets um, for things like material characterization. So can you tell us how how do and how should um, your customers kind of use these symbol indexes that you offer? Yeah, um, so firstly, the customer will understand that the data that's provided on the spec sheet is not sufficient for, for their needs. And the spec sheet is supplied by either the machine manufacturer or the material supplier. Um, they might see that as potentially biased because you know you're, those organizations are interested in selling machines and materials. Um, they might see that as being, well, I don't really understand how you got to those numbers um, because they don't have all of that pedigree behind um, a, a, a reported strength or a reported density. And then they also understand that uh, those uh, spec sheets don't even contain the data that they're looking for. So things that are very commonly reported, such as the results of tensile strengths, of density, of impact, of hardness, and so on and so forth, might not be exactly what the customer is looking for. So the customer might want additional um, data points, such as uh, potentially about fatigue, for example. And fatigue is a very, very uh, expensive test to do. Um, and so that's when they start realizing that, wait, I, I think I need, number one, the data to be pedigreed, which means that I need to understand, okay, you've got a tensile strength of X, but how did you get it? So what were the exact parameters you used? You know, how well calibrated was the laser? What exact post-processing steps did you do? So on and so forth. So you need all that background information. Um, so that's number one. And then number two is you need, um, you might just need additional um testing that that uh, is not commonly reported on a spec sheet and so but if you were to try to try to generate that data all by yourself it's extremely expensive and when i say extremely expensive it's order of magnitude of like hundreds of thousands of us dollars to to develop a very good robust data set and so the whole impetus behind indexes is that um, these are data sets that are pedigreed um, and we provide all of the background information and it's generated once, but it could actually be sold to multiple organizations for a fraction of whatever uh, the initial cost was. And so how does how does Sandville as a company build that, that data set? How does it get the information it needs to then inform the, you know, your users? So really two ways. One is uh, we've done some of the testing, building and testing ourselves. Um, so the building is done at high quality service bureaus and the testing mm -hmm. is done at um, high quality testing centers, such as those that are NADCAP approved. Usually we strive for the highest quality or the most stringent requirements that there are, which are usually 
um, defined by um, uh, aerospace and defense companies. So if it meets aerospace and defense uh, customers, it often then meets the requirement for anyone else who might be using it, even if they're not in aerospace and defense. And then the second way is that um, an or organizations could have developed that internally and has then allowed us to sell that data um, on, you know, on a uh, on their behalf. So, for example, Siemens Energy has developed has spent lots and lots of uh, euros developing very very high quality data sets, and they would like to recoup some of that money um, in developing their data set by allowing uh, Sunvolt to sell it on their behalf. I wanted to ask about the the Siemens Energy um, partnership and the commercialization of, of several AM materials databases, as you, as you mentioned. Now, what what do you think is the importance of that? And I guess as a as a follow up question to that, why was Siemens Energy happy for for those databases and those data sets to be commercialized? Why wasn't it kind of keeping all of that information to itself? Um, well, first of all, often the stand uh, the the testing for these um, data sets are quite standardized from organization to organization. So, mm -hmm. you know, certain things such as certain materials, such as let's say in Canal 625, uh, are commonly used to make um, products in aerospace and defense or turbines. And turbines, for example, could be used either in a aerospace application, but it could also be used in a you know energy application. And so the the reasons for why a material is selected, for example, in Canal 625, is often common across different industries. And therefore the tests that are being done for that material are often common between those industries. So for example, they might all want density, they might all want tensile, they all want fatigue, they might they might have selected 625 for corrosion purposes or high temperature applications or um, high temperature fatigue applications. And so because that data is somewhat standardized and therefore commonly uh, useful to, let's say, multiple industries, um, the fact that Siemens Energy has gone and developed that data set means that that data set is not just useful for, for Siemens Energy, but for you know, many different organizations, whether they're in energy or aerospace or not. And Siemens Energy has obviously spent probably at this point, maybe millions of euros developing these kinds of data sets. And instead of keeping that to themselves, um, this, is what, this is what's commonly known as quote unquote pre-competitive data in the sense that it's high quality pedigree data. And, you know, everyone knows that Siemens Energy is obviously a great organization and would not have been shoddy in their work. Um, and so it would be easy to trust that if Siemens Energy could have achieved these properties using a certain pedigree, uh, sorry, using a certain, let's say, process parameter or manufacturing technique or process, um, that's usually a good uh, benchmark. Um, so, and, and from Siemens Energy perspective, it could be a way for them to recoup some of their cost in developing that data set. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Um, one of the, the other things Sandville offers is um, this API product. So can you explain the capabilities of the API and, and how and why companies would, would integrate that offering into, into what they're doing? 
Yeah, so the API is really a way for organizations to access the raw data, or rather the back end, that powers the Sunball database. And the Sunball database is a database of all the industrial AM machines and materials in one place using publicly available spec sheet data. So the database actually um, started, I think, I think at this point, you know, almost 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, there were only hundreds of machines and hundreds of materials. It's not like it was today. But despite that there were only hundreds, um, it really started from a personal need. I, I remember at the time I had a question where I said, I would like to know all of the AM machines that could process titanium. Or I would like to know all of the AM machines that could process titanium with a bounded box size, you know, being able to make a part, a bounded box size of at least, you know, X, Y, and Z. And that was basically impossible to answer that question unless you sifted through all the available spec sheets that were available to you. And so based on that actual personal need, I developed the Sunvault database. I took all of the spec sheets that were available at the time. Again, it was, you know, in the hundreds. The scale was, was, was different, you know, almost 10 years ago than it is now. Um, I took all of those spec sheets, I normalized all of that data, I matched data between manufacturers of machines and materials. So then you could see for a particular machine, which material it could um, be compatible with and vice versa. So if you were looking at materials, you can actually see which machines were compatible with that material. Um, and I developed the database really for my own use. And we found it to be uh, so useful that we started to socialize it among the AM, you know, public. And other people liked it so much that we put it on our website and we made it available for everyone to use for free. And, and, it, and it has continued that way. We update it um, regularly. And since, you know, like I said, it's, only, it's, it's been almost 10 years of continuous updating. It's now grown into thousands and thousands of um, materials and machines. And, and first of all, it's very difficult to kind of stay on top of the industry because there's always, you know, new machines, new materials, there's um, name changes, there's companies being acquired and having their names changed, there's new machines being matched to new materials or, or so on and so forth, you know, there's changes in the mapping. And so it's very, very difficult for any one organization to keep on top of all of those changes. Um, and that's number one. And number two, it's just very difficult for anyone to find a place where you could get a list of all of the current commercially available machines and materials. And so a common customer of the Sunball API are actually software users or software developers. So you might be a software developer and let's say you need to make a dropdown and the dropdown is, let's say, all of the different AM metal machines. Well, instead of you maintaining your own list of all the AM metal machines, you can use the Sunball API to then access all of that data from the Sunball database. And we maintain it, and we have been maintaining it for, like I said, almost 10 years now. So our list is uh, very up-to-date, um, and, and the history has shown that we've been able to maintain that list um, or these listings for a very long time. So from a 
software developer perspective, instead of doing all this work, maintaining your own list of machines and materials from which you need to pull from in order to fill in uh, fields in your software, you can then use the API to just pull that data directly from the back end um, of the Sunball database. Okay, and then the the other um, facet of the the product offering of, of Semvol that I wanted to touch on was um, Semvol ML, which is your your machine learning software. So can you can you talk to us about that um, that product and, and what the capabilities are and what it allows your users to do? Yeah, so the Semvol ML re really came out of um, the desire for people to understand. At its core, it's really at its core, it's a way for people to understand the relationship between any two things. Um, but normally, those two things are uh, parameters and uh, material properties or mechanical performance. So with machine learning, machine learning is a very, very good tool. Um, and it is clearly proven to be very effective in a large number of industries, not just AM, but Machine learning is very good at understanding very complex relationships where um, different parameters might impact each other. And also it deals very, very well with high dimensional problems. And AM is a very typical high dimensional problem because you might have N numbers of knobs and dials and levers that you can uh, affect. On in throughout the manufacturing process. And you also have, you could think of it as, you know, you have M number of requirements and your requirements might be things like strength or density or fatigue or so on and so forth. It could be really anything. <clears throat> and so when you have a large number of parameters and you have a large number of requirements, you pretty quickly come to understand that regular statistical software is not going to do it for you. And uh, that's when machine learning is very good at understanding the relationship between those two things. The other thing, I mean, it's got lots of other cool features which um, have come out of the uh, requirements that we actually get from our customers. So for example, on one, uh, one of its features is called uh, a data collection protocol. We shorten it to DCP. Um, DCP actually designs the design of experiment for you. So let's say a very simple um, three-dimensional problem. So you've got N equals three. Let's say you have on a laser powder bed fusion machine, as an example, you've got power, scan, and hatch spacing. Um, and a simple problem that's only three dimensions. And if you have a range of power to explore, a range of scan speed to explore, and a range of hatch spacings to explore, what is the ideal way for you to explore that three-dimensional space? And DCP will basically tell you exactly how many coupons you will need to build and how do you explore that three-dimensional space. Now, three dimensions is quite small and um, you know not exactly typical of AM because you often have way more than three dimensions because other dimensions you might have are things like location on the build plate or airflow or you know all, all kinds of other things and so when you have a n number of dimensions where n is five six seven eight so on and so forth um it becomes very very useful to have a tool that helps you design your design of experiment for you so that's one thing that's very cool about it and um 
The other uh, uh, products or kind of, not products, but the other kinds of um, functionality it has is it can tell you which process parameters are important and which ones are not. And so if you have n numbers of parameters and you have m numbers of uh, requirements, for each requirement, different parameters might, might be important. Um, and, and you can't even think about parameters in isolation. It can't just be, oh, only power is important and scan speed is not. Often with, with um, uh, additive manufacturing, it's combinations that are collectively important. So for example, power is important when power is X and scan speed is Y, but then, you know, in a different area of the parameter space, that combination, you know, might not work. So the tool is very good for telling you for the thing, for the requirements that you're interested in, um, what is the importance of all of the different parameters? And if you know the importance of the parameters, you can then decide in your manufacturing process what you should be controlling and what you should not be controlling and when should you be controlling them. So you can't control all everything all, all together. Uh, um, and so it's really useful for helping people develop uh, optimized process parameters based on the requirements that, that they have. And in terms of qualifying AM processes and materials, what do you what do you see as the okay the, the big opportunities for leveraging machine learning technology and the Semvol ML product um, for for users of additive manufacturing to take advantage of? What you know what how will how will this technology help them in in real terms? Oh, I'm I'm glad you're talking about qualification. It is such a huge issue um, in AM and the the reason why I think it's such a huge issue is that I believe that people have been using um, out of date approaches to qualification and they're using qualification mostly from a machining perspective, which is a subtractive technique to try mm -hmm. to look at AM, which is an additive technique. The biggest issue is that when you have historically um, people have used, you know, more subtractive techniques such as machining, you kind of decouple material properties from geometry. So you can go and buy, let's say blocks or billets or, or what have you of material. And you know the material properties of that before you even start machining it into the shape that you want. But in AM, as you know, you're building up the material properties at the same time that you're building the shape. And so therefore, the process parameters that you use has a huge impact on the material properties and mechanical performance of what you get and the shape of what you get. So when people have tried to use what I call point qualification, they're basically saying, I'm going to find optimized process parameters for the thing that I want to build, and I'm going to fix it forever. They will say, I'm, you know, laser power will always be X, scan speed will always be Y, hatch spacing will always be Z, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't account for the fact that number one, you can have shifting in all of that um, as you use the machine, you know, things will start to go out of calibration. 
Number two, there's going to be build-to-build variation, even on the same machine. Number three, there's going to be machine-to-machine variation because you might have multiple machines, even if they're from the same manufacturer, even if they're exactly the same model, they might not all perform the same. Um, And then number four, if you fix a process parameter forever, you've basically kind of handicapped yourself because how would you ever update the software for your machine? How are you ever going to adopt newer and better machines for the parts that you build? You can't because every time you make a change, you have to re-qualify. And when you re-qualify, you have to go and make another huge data set, which probably costs you a million dollars and maybe potentially 12 or 24 months to do. And so if the cost of re-qualification is so high that people are resistant to adopting adopting new machines or new processes that that inherently holds back the whole the whole industry and so the big shift in approach to qualification is not to think of qualification as a point approach that you fixed forever in time but rather to think of qualification as an envelope instead of a point and an envelope is more like here is a region of space in the parameter space where you will get the kind of parts that you want. And then how would you understand that you are still within that region is by continuing to supply data um, from your machine and retraining the model. Uh, When I say the model, I mean retraining the machine learning model um, to understand that you can actually achieve the same material or mechanical property requirements even if you have multiple bills and multiple machines and you can achieve the same requirement um, even when you have a change in your AM process, such as updating software or changing the supplier for your powder. Um, So one example is an army project that we're actually working on right now, which is demonstrating exactly that, which is that we're going to show that we develop a a, uh, qualification envelope. So basically saying, here is the region that we're going to work with. um, And then we're going to actually have a change or induce a change. And this change is a change in powder supplier. So we might have started with powder supplier A, and we're going to switch to powder supplier B. And then we're going to use the machine learning software to then explore the process parameter space um, with powder supplier B and very quickly get to um, showing where do I need to be in the parameter space and what qualification envelope should I be working in in order to have the same result, i.e. the same uh, material properties that I want and the same mechanical performance that I want as I had when I had used um, product uh, powder supplier A. I wanted to to come on to the the work you're doing with you know the U.S. government and the U.S. Army because um, there's a couple of things as I understand a couple of projects ongoing. So I was wondering whether you could one by one take us into both of those. One of them is is um, as I understand it, um, Semvol demonstrating a machine learning approach for material allowables development, and another is um, a bit more focused on part consistency. So can you talk us through both of those projects and I guess the the aims and objectives of both of those projects in line with with what the the U.S. government and U.S. Army are doing? 
Sure. So both of those, or rather all of those, are really based on an understanding of the relationship between parameters and uh, properties. So mm -hmm. if you have a quick way of understanding the relationship between parameters and properties, that means you can quickly get to a qualification envelope. And you can get to that qualification envelope much, much faster with using machine learning to help you do your design of experiments and then machine learning to understand those relationships and build those models. You can do that much, much faster with machine learning than you can with more conventional qualification techniques. Um, so order of magnitude, it, it might be half the amount of time and half the amount of um, money that's, that's, that's necessary. So if you can understand that relationship very quickly, like I said in the example with the army, you can have a change. And then that change, the example is uh, a change in powder supplier. You might have started with a qualified process using powder supplier A, but then when you switch to powder supplier B, you can very quickly requalify that and then get to and get to understanding the uh, qualification envelope with powder supplier B and therefore achieve the same uh, material properties that that you would want. Um, the allowables is also something else that's very interesting because an allowable by definition, uh, uh, well, I'm talking about a design allowable uh, for materials, uh, a material design allowable is basically saying with um, here is the minimum uh, material properties that I think I will get. So often it's saying something like, as an example, 95% of the time with 95% confidence, I will get a tensile strength of X. So once you know that, you can then design to it. So that means that designers can say, okay, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to get X, uh, material properties of X. And therefore, I can then uh, design parts assuming that I'm going to get X. So the issue with AM is that um, it doesn't do well with conventional um, allowable development approaches. And conventional allowable development approaches has effectively not changed since you know, the 19 50s and 60s based on uh, subtractive manufacturing. And so with sub subtractive manufacturing, they basically go out and they go out and test you know, a certain number of heats and lots uh, um, and batches of materials and say, and to come to the number of 95% um, of the time with 95% confidence, I'm going to get X. And by the way, 95 and 95 are just example numbers. It, it, it can be other things. It can be 99% of the time with 99% confidence and so on. It's, it's basically kind of, you could think of it as a statistical way of cutting a distribution of material properties. So the machine learning approach is very different because instead of um, trying to get to a point solution, the Machine learning approach, first of all, asks you to explore everywhere in the parameter space. And once you've explored everywhere in the parameter space, and you can you have then a model of that parameter space, you can then actually go to anywhere or any point in the parameter space and say, in this part of this parameter space, what is the distribution 
of material properties that I should see? Or in this other area of the parameter space, what is the distribution of material properties that I should see? That is the very definition of a model that shows you the relationship between changes in parameters to changes in properties. So if you can go to any point in the parameter space and understand the distribution of material properties, you have basically created an infinite number of allowables. And I say infinite because you can go to anywhere in the parameter space. And so what that means is through one set of data collection, and when I say data collection, I mean going out and building specimens on machines over multiple builds and looking at different uh, points in the parameter space. After that one set of data collection, you've effectively allowed yourself to estimate or model an infinite number of um, allowables. And so the demonstration uh, that we did with the government is by showing that we did side-by-side -side, uh, demonstrations in both um, uh, on the American Makes project, we actually did it with a polymer material on uh, a polymer powder bit fusion machine. With the um, Army, we did it on a um, laser powder bed fusion machine in metals. So we've, so we've demonstrated this both on a polymer material and a metal material that if you do it side by side using the machine learning approach uh, compared to the conventional approach, and by the way, the conventional approach on metals was governed by um, MMPDS, and the conventional approach for polymers was governed by CMH17. So they're very standard, very high quality, you know, aerospace and defense um, uh, conventions on the conventional uh, material side. You basically arrive at estimated machine learning allowables that work just as well as the conventional ones for a fraction of the cost and of, of time that's required. So we've proven that you basically get to the same numbers, but you get to it much quickly and much cheap uh, and much more cheaper. And you can actually, on the machine learning side, develop more than one allowable using the same data set. Um, rather than in the conventional approach, you can only develop one allowable for every data set that you gather. So if you wanted one allowable, because on the conventional side, it's still a point solution, uh, you would have to use a lot of resources and time to develop one allowable in one point of the parameter space. And if you wanted to then do the same in a different point in the parameter space, you would have to do that process all over again. Um, so not only was developing the allowables faster and cheaper, but we actually also had the additional benefit that you could actually do the process parameter optimization at the same time as allowable uh, development or allowable estimation on the machine learning side. Whereas in the conventional side, you actually have to do process parameter development as its own separate step before you go do allowable development, which actually requires even more time and even more resources to do. Throughout our conversation today, Annie, we've, we've obviously been discussing a lot of the issues that users of AM are encountering and, and how Sandval is, is trying to you know, help to address them. What's, what's your assessment then of how AM technology is being applied in the industries that Sandval serves? What are you, what are you seeing that's, that's good and, and what are you seeing where there's, where there's still room for improvement? 
Um, well, I'm very excited that um, more machine learning is just being applied to AM in general. Um, Sunball is very focused on looking at the relationships between process parameters and properties, uh, but there's way more room to be, there's way more to be explored. So for example, when it comes to things like in-situ monitoring, there's a lot of data that's being generated in in-situ monitoring and machine learning approach um, is, is kind of nascent in that area, but would be a fantastic application of it because machine learning does very well with very large uh, uh, data sets. And uh, we all know that in-situ monitoring generates very, very large data sets that, um, that, could, be, that could be analyzed. Um, I'm also very excited by the fact that people are just very interested and very excited and enthused by the fact that there are other approaches to qualification and allowables development, as I had mentioned. I mean, the, the, the government has been very supportive of it. DOD in general has been very supportive of it because everyone feels the pain of qualification and the pain of allowable development. That's not to say that, you know, currently or even in the near future, people would adopt the machine learning method. It's, I think we're still very far off from actual commercial adoption because Number one, I think more work needs to be done. Um, more use cases need to be uh, proved out. But on the other hand, I also think that there is a, um, for every person that's very excited by this new, um, new approach, there's also a lot of skeptics. And I think that it's quite reasonable to be skeptical, especially when some of these applications in aerospace and defense and so on are very critical and lives could be at stake. So I think the skepticism is very well um, justified and understood. So I think it will take time for people to put more trust into models. And for now, I would say the machine learning approach is very good at estimating allowables. I would say it absolutely does not develop allowables because I would not call them allowables because there's um, I have no authority to call them allowables, but they're very good at estimating allowables, which means that, you know, it might be a very good step as a kind of like a gatekeeping step in your process so that you might use uh, the machine learning approach to, say, develop some ideal process parameters or optimized process parameters. But at the same time, you might say, well, hey, these process parameters look great. Uh, I'm going to estimate what the allowable would be at this point. And machine learning would allow you to estimate that. And we have um, uh, kind of a mathematical approach to estimate that. And at that point, you might say, well, this is a good estimate of what I think the allowable would be. Do I want to continue with developing allowables using the conventional method at this particular point in the parameter space or not? So it's a very good kind of sanity check or um, at this particular, like I said, it's a good gatekeeping um, or a, a project gatekeeping uh, point. So once you have estimated the allowables, you can then decide, do I want to go down the path of um, developing a conventional um, MMPDS sanctioned or CMH sanctioned, uh, CMH 17 sanctioned um, allowable at that process parameter set. So I think that there, is a lot more work that needs to be done on qualification and allowables development. 
Um, but I'm very heartened by the fact that we've been we received a lot of support from um, the government as well as um, our our ML customers who are actively using Sunvault ML to develop um, uh, their own process parameters and to estimate allowables. Uh, and then finally, Annie, um, thank you for your, for your time today. But to bring it back to to Sunvault, um, what's the what's the vision for for the company moving forward? How would you like to see the company grow moving forward? And, and I guess what are the next um, industry problems and industry issues that are you know that are for Sunvault to address next with a you know a, either an a evolution of your of your product portfolio or or something new entirely? Oh, I think. Um... We, we've always, like I said, the Sunball database is um, almost 10 years old now. We will obviously be continuing the updating of the Sunball database as always. The API is always available for those uh, software companies that might want to use them. Um, we are uh, open to developing more indexes or potentially using other organizations or rather uh, pedigree data sets from other organizations for indexes. But I think most of our work will probably be focused on developing the machine learning um, software because the really big problems in AM still pertain to qualification, uh, requalification, and um, allowables development. And we would like to be, um, you know, in the years going forward, at the forefront of changing mindsets when it comes to. Um, approaches to requalification, requalification, um, and uh, allowables development. And I think it will take time, but I'm very, very optimistic about it.